You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. We are on the third installment of our series called Joyful. We have been journeying together as Victory Philippines, as Victory Dumaguete. In the book of Philippians, if you remember, when we started off this series, we said that the theme of this, as we understand, is about joy. We even talked about joy and suffering in the first week of this series. Last week, Tom and Mav preached on the second chapter on the book of Philippians. And today, we will look into the third one, and we will cover verses 7 down to verse 14. I'd like for all of us to turn our Bibles for a while to the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 7 to 14. It says here, But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, he says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straying forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What we have just read is verses 7 to 14 of Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3 verse 7, you would notice here that Paul starts saying, but whatever gain I had, it gives us a picture that, of course, he was talking about some gains that he have had prior to this. So that's why I think it's important for us to understand the immediate context of what we're talking about. There's no way for us to understand what Paul is telling the Philippine church if we don't have a good grasp of the context. So as a context for this, at least the immediate context, the immediate context of this is found, of course, in verses 1 down to verse 6. Uh, what I invite you to read that with me. So we are starting off with verse 7. And he says, but whatever gain I had, he says, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So question here is, what gain did you have? Isn't it? Right? So we go to verses 1 down to verse 6. And then later on, we will zero in on verses 5 and 6. Let's look at verse 1. It says here, finally, brothers, he says, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. And here's what he says. This is interesting. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, he says. Though I myself, I want you to, to see how proud Paul is, he says, though I myself have risen for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has risen for confidence in the flesh, I have more, he says circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, 
he says. Then he starts saying, but whatever gain I had, I counted, I counted it as a loss for the sake of Christ. Right? So that's basically the immediate context of this. So he was like saying, you folks be careful with this certain group of people. In fact, it's quite interesting because if I would use the same terminology right now, a lot of people will be offended. Why? Because here, you know, Paul talks to a certain group of people and calls them dogs. We're talking about the Judaizers. There's another group of people who are coming into the church and they were preaching a different kind of gospel. It is a gospel by works through circumcision. And, you know, Paul warns the same way that he warns the other churches in the Mediterranean world, the church that he planted. He starts warning the church in Philippi. He says, be careful of these evildoers, these Judaizers. If I might summarize it according to Paul, these dogs, he says, these dogs, be careful of them. And then, if you go to verses 5 and 6, here, Paul gives out his CV, his impressive resume. In verses 5 and 6, we would see an autobiographical data about the Apostle Paul. He mentions his status and achievements within the Jewish tradition. So he starts telling the church in Philippi as to who he is and what he has accomplished. And like what he said, the reason for this is because the Judaizers were teaching a different kind of gospel, or not entirely gospel, but salvation by works, that is found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 2 to 4. Now, I'd like first to fully embrace this first before we get to verse 7. In the ancient Mediterranean world, a person's social status is based on his honor. If you are someone who would want to quote-unquote, climb the corporate ladder during those times, it would depend on your honor. Now, there are two kinds of honor, at least in the ancient times, that one would perceive or one would get to embrace. One is an acquired honor, and the other one is an ascribed honor. In what sense? If you go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul gives us a list of both his ascribed honor and the other one is his acquired honor. So it's like saying, all right, if you folks are telling me that the only way for me to have a good social status in the society is to have honor, guess what? The man Paul has both. Ascribed honor is basically what he has, quote-unquote, inherited. Catch it? Ascribed honor is something that you don't work for. It's just simply given to you. If you would look at that, perhaps in our society right now, it depends on your surname. Acquired has something to do with the things that you have done and the things that you are doing. Let's try to look into that for a while. Ascribe honor for Paul. He says he was circumcised on the eighth day. He says, I am of the people of Israel, a Benjamite. He says, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. Meaning to say he is a pedigree Jew. You folks who love dogs, you might know what I'm talking about, isn't it? Right? So if you have dogs, some people would ask, does your dog have a paper? Is it a champion breed? So it's something like, I don't want to liken Paul to a dog, but he likened the Judaizers to dog. Anyway, his acquired honor is, he says, as to the law, a Pharisee. You folks want to talk about the law? Let's talk about the law. As to the law, I am a Pharisee. A strict observant of the law, he says. Then he says here, as to zeal, he says, persecutor of the church. You want passion? I have the passion. I was the one who persecuted the church. I approve of the stoning of the man called Stephen. Are folks catching this? 
Then he starts saying, as to righteousness under the law, here, my friends, blameless, he says. You folks would know this, that in verses 5 down to verse 6, he uses the word us too. You would notice it there, he says, us to the law. He would say, us to zeal. He would say, as to righteousness. In short, the as to there simply means according to. So if you want to talk about standards of our culture, if you want to talk about the standards of our law, if you want to talk about the standards of our people, here is the man. I am the man. That's essentially what he was saying here. If you want to ask about the standards of culture, the standards of religion, he says, according to those things, I am blameless. I am upright. I am zealous, he says. If you folks still do not get that, if you love sports, it's something like, you know, you have Paul as the franchise player of a certain team. If you love, let's say, Korean products, which many of you love, you could say that he is the face of the product. If you love the animal kingdom, you might be talking about Paul being the alpha of the pack. Are folks getting this? All right, so he writes all of these things down, things that might make you cringe if you do this on your own, if you start writing about your accomplishments. But guess what? He's writing this on purpose. He was writing this on purpose. You know, we have to understand what Paul did here was not an unsolicited boasting. This one, my friends, is boasting with a purpose. Uy, pwede palang ganon. Boasting with a purpose. That's what we have here. We will understand why he laid on his impressive Jewish resume. But before that, we need to see something interesting first. Look at this. We are in Philippians chapter 3, isn't it? We're looking at verse 7 to 14. But here's what I realized. For us to understand, why is Paul telling us about all of these things? Why is he writing his impressive resume with regards to his Jewish tradition? We are in Philippians chapter 3. If you were with us last week, when we were looking to Philippians chapter 2, you folks would understand that basically, Paul in Philippians chapter 3 verse 7 to 14 mirrors Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 to 11 in form and content. So what I'd like for us to understand here is there is a display of the brilliance of Paul in terms of his writing. He was writing from greater to less. He was talking about the things that happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at that. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 to 11 Here's what he said prior to the chapter that we are in right now. He says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of his servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, what Paul would want them to understand is that he first makes the case of the Lord Jesus Christ. He starts telling them who Jesus is, and despite the fact that he is a man of equal to God, he says, he humbled himself. Are folks catching this? He considered his reputation as a loss. He regarded his status as a loss. It's like nothing in order for him to accomplish the plan of salvation for you and for me. So he was taking that argument 
And he was also telling them about his own accomplishments. Not that he was saying that he is of equal to Jesus, but he was like saying, as a follower of Christ, that which I have accomplished are also rubbish. I also regard these things as a loss. He starts saying that he is a Benjamite. We understand that the first king of Israel was coming from the tribe of Benjamin. In short, it was like saying, I'm a royal in that sense. Belonging to this tribe of Israel. He was like saying, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the people of Israel. Meaning to say he's not a convert. He is not a proselyte, a Hellenist. He was also saying he belonged to the covenant community of God. So if there was a goat in the NBA called Michael Jordan, and please take note, not LeBron James. Okay, if there's a goat in the NBA called Michael Jordan, here's the goat of the New Testament. The greatest of all time at least in terms of those who are following the Lord Jesus Christ. So I feel like I have established that clearly. So now, let's go to verse 7. Here's what he says. I'd like for you to have that in your mind as a backdrop, the acquired honor and the ascribed honor of Paul. Right. So I'd like for you to see how impressive that man was. And here's what he says. With regards to everything that I have accomplished and everything that I have acquired, here's what he says. But whatever gain I had, he says, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And then he says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Philippians chapter 3 verse 7 zeroes in on the word gain. Like what I said the gain here is that which is found in verses 5 and 6. Alright? Everything that he has accomplished and everything that he was. That was the gain that he was talking about here. I'd like for you to notice this. I want to put out verses 7 and 8 all together. And you would notice that the word loss is repeated three times. It starts with verse 7. It says, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. In verse 8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. You would notice that he was doing something here. He was talking about his past losses and his current losses. He was like saying, um, years ago, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, I've lost some of these things. But I'm more than willing to lose somewhere now because of my Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he was essentially saying. Now, I'd like first to go to verse 8 and look at the word rubbish. Here's the word. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. All right. This is the first time that I'm preaching on this subject. And you would understand why. The word rubbish here, at least in our understanding, basura, garbage. Isn't it, right? Rubbish for us is garbage. In its original Greek friends, it's not garbage. The word rubbish here in its original Greek simply means excrement. Right? That's a nice sounding word. But would you please allow me to be a bit more real? Excrement is tae. 
Right? Who among you did your thing this morning? But at least it's relevant to all of us. We all do this. We all experience this. Now, so if I change that as something else, that word, it's basically what it means. For his sake, for the sake of Christ, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as ta'i in order that I may gain Christ. We'll look at that further in a while. Why is it important for us to fully understand what the word means? If you read the writings of Paul, especially the episodes of Paul's letters, there's something that you need to do. You need to understand the emotional tone of what he's writing. Right? You need to understand the emotional tone. That's why I highlighted the word rubbish. Because it's important for us to understand that Paul here, friends, was using a strong word. He was using a strong word. Why? Kasi minsan, pagka candy wrapper yan, is candy wrapper a rubbish? A candy wrapper is something, alright, ah, I have a candy wrapper here, here, I have consumed this pack of M&M, what will I do with this? Ah, there's no trash can here, I can put it in my packet. But you don't put tie in your packet. Come on now. A trash is something you can drop. But tie, excrement, is something you flush out. It's something that you throw away. If someone throws you a pack of cheapy, an empty cheapy, you'd be annoyed. But when someone throws you a plastic full of tie, you'll be so angry. So the words here are very important. He says, everything that I have had in the past are nothing more than excrement. Don't you just love this guy? Or nothing more than tae. You know, Thomas Aquinas, alluding to this, he said, all that I have written seems like a straw. Thomas Aquinas wrote a good theological book called Summa Theologica. So that includes that. Everything that the impressive things that he has written about Christ, about the works of Christ, all of these things are but a straw, according to him. Think about your accomplishments for a while, friends. And try to imagine that with regards to what Paul was saying here. If you consider Paul to live in our generation right now, he'd be some of your classmates or perhaps it was you. You know those classmates of yours during commencement exercise would always go up the stage? Because he'd have a hard time walking around because of the medals hanging around his neck. Here's what makes it interesting. He starts telling the Philippian church, Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. You know, I think about that, and I realize, wow, okay, this is a good line to put on a profile picture of yours on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. I count everything as a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. Isn't it the case for us that we have a tendency to speak about our conviction upon conversion? Right after my victory weekend, I was biking around the city and I feel like, man, I can conquer the world. I, I keep telling my friends, you know, I had just been to victory weekend. Upon our conversion, we have the tendency to what? To confess our conviction and that's a good thing. Isn't it that we have a tendency to speak about our conviction after a night of worship and prayer? Isn't it that we have the tendency to speak about our conviction after joining a worship service? 
Why am I sharing that? Because I'd like for you to understand is, you know, Paul wrote these words to the church in Philippi 30 years after his experience from the road of Damascus. 30 years after his conversion, he still, still is telling them about the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus is Lord. He was still upbeat and excited about his faith 30 years after his conversion. 30 years after his conversion, we would see that, you know, Paul still speaks this way about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm still willing to lose all things and count them as rubbish. That I may gain Christ according to him. You know, in the years that you have been walking with God, do we still confess the same things we said when we were new believers? Are we still a bit about our faith? Do you think you are someone... If you've been a Christian for 10, 15, 20 years now, do you think you are someone who has the conviction to sit someone who is new in the faith and tell that person excitedly about the faith that you have? About the things, about the goodness of God in your life? In short, are we still excited about your faith? Or is this a dead religion to us already? I get to talk to some people in the church and I don't know, but I love talking to, it's just inspiring and encouraging talking to June Montilla, who loves doing campus ministry at I don't know what age, perhaps 40 something. Pinabata ko si June, Love talking to Ted Tew, to Dennis Chanel. That at their age, they still talk about the church, talk about the kingdom. They're not even talking about their retirement. They're not talking about their bitterness in life, how life has dealt with them. But they still start talking about the kingdom of God. And I challenge you, try talking to these people that I've mentioned, and you would be amazed that as if they just got born again yesterday. Are we still upbeat about our faith? Are we still excited about the Lord Jesus Christ? Three years na Christian thinking of backsliding already? You know, I realize in the years that I have been in the ministry, I'd like for you to understand there's no such thing as a been there, done that Christianity. There's no such thing up, ah, lang na sa next generation. Next generation. I realize that when I talk to people, when people get stuck in their faith, it is because they rely so much on their tenure. We rely so much on our tenure. I've, Archie has known me since, what, 12 years ago? Don't mess with me. I am a tavern peep. We rely so much on tenure, we will get stuck. There's no such thing as a pangbagong Christian lang. Have you folks ever talked to Maan? Have you seen the excitement of the person when it comes to ministry? Have you noticed Glevin doing all of these things week in and week out? If we admire them, then we ask ourselves, what can I do? I wrote a lot of names here. John Hupa is, what, 30? Well, he is in his 30s. 
He's not in the ministry. He's not a full-time staff. He used to be part of our staff. But while I was working this, I realized one thing. When he was a student, and when he was a staff, and now that he's not a staff, every time I start a conversation with him, it's all about the things of God. I was like, how come this person is so kingdom-minded? And I'm talking about a person who's been a Christian for what? For more than a decade now. You know, Paul here, he wasn't writing to the church in Philippi after their uh, Christianity. Ah, basta go lang ng go. Basta love God, honor God, make disciples, period. That's it. Now he starts telling them about the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus is Lord. 30 years after being born again. Then it's in verse 8, it says here, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, he says, and count them as rubbish. Look at this one. He says, In order that I may gain Christ. Verses 5 and 6 talks about his what? His power, his privilege, his fame, his influence. He was like the who's who of the Jewish society. And he says, I'm going to throw this all away for the sake of gaining Christ. You know what Paul, in essence, was saying? That Christianity is one that is full of trade-offs. Sometimes you lose things in order for you to gain Christ. What things? I don't know. It's between you and Christ. You lose things in order for you to gain Christ. But that has a context. There's something you need to understand about this, of course. I read that. I myself would say, oh, that sounds so abstract. So let me just illustrate it by saying some stories. John Bascuña, one of our doctors here, two years ago wanted to go to Pakistan for a 10-day trip. I was telling him clearly, um, you told me that you have plans to go outside of the country, perhaps go to the U.S., and then now you're going to Pakistan. Do you realize the risk of this? Long story short, he went to Pakistan and trusted that the Lord will open the doors for him in the future. He counted the cost. I know of someone who was emotionally attached to someone and they were in a relationship. Problem is, the relationship has gone overboard and has become a sexual relationship. And they're not married. And he decided to, I think I need to cut this off. Because I feel like this really does not honor God. Question, friends. Do you think that was painful? Come on now. If you're emotionally attached to someone, and you break off that relationship because it has become sexual, do you think that is painful? You won't be human if you say no. Do you think that is easy? Is it easy to cut off relationship with someone? I don't think so. But a person is willing to go through pain because he understands it's a trade-off. I gain Christ in the end. He gains Christ in the end. Indeed, they count everything as, a lo as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So allow me to look at the word rubbish now. I mentioned that the word rubbish here is the word tae. He said, I count all of these things as a loss, suffered the loss. Look at this one. 
For Paul, he lost everything, and I want you to understand this, because of his association with Christ and his passion for Christ. Catch it? He lost a lot of things. For him, he counted that which he still has, but let them go because of his association with Christ and his passion for Christ. Because truth of the matter is, friends, people wouldn't know about your association with Christ if you're not passionate for Christ. So a lot of times, the only way people would know would know that you're associated with victory, that you're associated with Christ, that you're associated with Christians, is if you are passionate for the kingdom. If you're passionate for Christ. And here's what he says. He says, I count them as ta'e in order that I may gain Christ. He was like saying, it's okay. I'm fine. I've lost this. I've lost that. In fact, I've lost everything. But it's okay because kinonsider ko naman kasing lahat ng mga to as ta'e. Ako naman silang i-consider. Nga tayo naman sila. I deem them to be like that. So, don't really care if I lose them. Don't really care if I lose the prestige. Don't really care if I lose the fame. Don't really care if I lose the privilege. Because in my perspective, these are tae. Here's the question. Why do I consider this as rubbish? Why do I consider this as poop? Why do I consider this a sigh? And the answer is found in the latter part of verse 8. In order that I may gain Christ. Because if this is just garbage, guess what? I know myself, I might pick this up. So this is not just garbage that I might start missing and picking up and hiding in my book, hiding in my drawer. But this is rubbish. This is excrement. I throw this away because this will stink. Let me just further illustrate that. Verse 7 and 8, give an illustration to what Paul is teaching all of us here. Let's say he is someone... Again, this is an illustration, right? So you don't necessarily have to copy this. Let's say you're someone who has been dreaming of your stint in New York. You'd love to go to New York, love to experience New York, and finally we're given a great opportunity to go to New York. So in essence, here's what you're saying. Yung pangarap kong New York, yung dream job kong New York, Ilang Not New York, okay? Your dream. I think New York is not relevant to all of you. Let's go to Seoul, Korea. You folks want to do that as your bucket list to be in the different K-pop scenes? I know you folks are thinking about that. Let's talk about Seoul, South Korea. Your dream to land your best job as part of the crew of Blackpink. Alright, so now you become a crew of that Blackpink and that boy band, BTS. So it's a dream job of yours. So it's like this. Ah, yung pangarap kong maging crew ng Blackpink plus ng BTS. I realize tayo lang pala yun. Bakit mo na-realize na tayo yun? Why did you realize that that is just mere excrement? Why? Look at this one. When did you realize that that dream of yours is merely tayo? 
Here it is. Because of the what? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, your Lord. So this is not a preaching telling you, ah, your dream, throw it away, that's ta'i. That relationship, throw it away, that's garbage. No. You realize that when you understand the surpassing worth of Christ Jesus, so you threw away your dream job of being that crew, and you consider that as what? As mabawang tae because you want to gain Christ. That's why Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's why he had the audacity to say, to live is Christ, meaning to say, everything that I am, everything that I will ever be, it's dedicated to the Lord. Whether I have many, whether in plenty or in lack, I'm going to praise God. Whether Dumaguete or Seoul, whether New York, I'm going to worship God because my life is entirely the Lord's. He realized that when he come into an understanding of the surpassing worth of Christ, the thing here is this. You will never ever grow in your devotion to Christ, in your commitment to Christ, you will never grow in your conviction for Christ. You will never ever grow in your worship for Christ. You will never ever grow as a Christian if you don't understand the gospel. That's simply what it means. There's a practical aspect to this. Ask this question when you make decisions. When you make decisions about your academics, when you make decisions about the workplace, when you make decisions about your dream, ask this question, will I gain Christ? If I say yes to this, if I say no to this, if I get into this, will I gain Christ? Folks, listen, that's a question worth asking. You know why? Because we get to live in this world, what, 70, 80 years. Don't you ever think that what matters in this life is our life here on the earth? But friends, before you ask that question, the backdrop there is dapat alam mo yung surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus your Lord. You need to know that first because you will not learn to love the pain of letting go if you do not understand what you will gain in return. You will not learn to love the pain of cutting off, of letting go, if you do not understand the great things that you will get in return. If you don't understand the surpassing worth of Christ, there's no knowing for you what you gain in Christ. That's why sometimes when you give up things and you don't understand what you gain, you don't understand the surpassing worth of Christ, what do you do? You self-pity. You say things like, Naubos lang po ako. Naubos lang ako, Diyos. The reason for that is because we focus too much on what we have lost and never on what we have gained. Verse 10 to 11, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Notice how verses 10 to 11 mirrors Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, when he was actually talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10 to 11 talks about what? The power of his resurrection. 
that he may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. It's talking about the gospel. It starts talking about the resurrection. Verse 12 to 13, look at this one. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. So now he's like saying, oh, don't you think that I'm already there? That's why he's saying there's no such thing as been there, done that Christianity. Not that I have already obtained or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You see the context of that, the reason why I will press on, the reason why I will so commit to the Lord Jesus Christ, the reason why I will so love the Lord Jesus Christ is because He has made me His own. In short, it was like saying, the Lord grasped me. You know, the words that we see here is the word that we use when we are talking about the gospel explained. This is katalambano. The Lord apprehended me and just wouldn't let me go. Do you folks realize that apart from the grace of God, we will not be here. Apart from the grace of God, our lives will be destroyed. So in that context, he says, I'm going to be passionate for God. In that context, I'm going to give it my all to God. That's essentially what Paul was saying here. This is what he was saying. That Christ has apprehended me. Christ got hold of me, he says. That's why he said, I will press on. Because Christ Jesus has made me his very own. Look at these words that Paul uses here. If you look at verses 12 down to verse 14, he uses some strong action words. He says, press on. He also says, forgetting. He says, straining forward. He says, press on, friends. 30 years. 30 years after his conversion. 30 years after he has received the joy of his salvation. Here he is, an old man, still saying, I'm going to press on. I'm going to forget things behind. I'm going to strain forward. I'm going to press on. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus is Lord. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus is Lord. In short, what Paul was saying was we can't be coasting as Christians. What he was saying was we can't be couch potato Christians. We cannot just wing it. He was like saying, and I think this is really true, he was like suggesting to you and to me, if you consider yourself a Christian, you have to live life on the edge. There has to be what? There has always to be a sense of urgency in you. Always having a sense of urgency. So perhaps the question for us is this. Does it look like you are pressing forward? Press on there is the word pursuing. Are you pursuing Christ? Are we still pursuing Christ? Ten years after your victory weekend, ten years after your first one-to-one, are you still pursuing Christ? Or you're pursuing something else? Balaw ka na ba sa Christianity? Ano ba to? Panis na ba to para sa'yo? The problem is not with God, the problem is on you. 
Are we forgetting things in the past? What he was forgetting here is verses 5 and 6. His impressive resume. So are you picking up your garbage? Take note, they are not garbage. They are excrement. They will do you bad. Perhaps he's asking us, where's our passion for Christ? Where's our passion for the church of Christ? Where's our passion for Jesus? Where's our passion for the ministry? Where's our passion for the kingdom? That's what he was asking. What are we to forget? He says, forget what lies behind. What's interesting here in verse 13 is he says, but one thing I do, but he says two things. <laughs> he says, one thing I do, but he says two things, forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. In essence, he was saying this is a package deal. This is one unified thought that you cannot strain forward if you don't forget what lies behind. If you want to strain forward, then you'll have to forget what lies behind. And I love this. So what is the goal? What is the goal? So what is our goal? What is our goal now? Look at this one in verse 14. He says, the goal for what? The price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The goal is what? The upward call of God. What are you talking about, Paul? You know what he was talking about? He was talking about verse 10. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. That I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He was like saying, you prepare yourself for glorification. You prepare yourself for the end of days. You prepare yourself that when Christ comes, you folks are ready. That's what He was essentially saying. I press on toward the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And what lies ahead is like what I said, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. You folks notice that I have missed one verse, and that is verse 9, and I want to end with it. He says in verse 9, the first part of verse 9, he says, and be found in him. I want you to understand this. Our Christianity is in Him, by Him, through Him, for Him. That is what it means to live a fruitful Christian life. It is through the grace of God. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is for the glory of God Himself. Gaining Christ could mean renouncing everything that competes with Him. So I want to end with this. When you experience pain in the future, you're experiencing pain right now. Inner pain is Christ our gain. Always think about that. In the things that you go through in life, always ask this question, will I gain Christ? It's interesting because the theme of Philippians is about joy. I remember Dennis sharing this with me. You can think about joy this way. Joy is J, think about Jesus first. O, think about others first. And think about yourself last. And in essence, that's what brings joy in our life. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.